buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. What is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. I'm excited to present this guest with you today. We are going to have a ton of fun talking about sales messaging, and we will see where it goes. I've got Henna Pryor, and she is the president and certified executive sales coach for Priority Group. Henna, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Make me sound much more official than I feel most days, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'm not that professional either. I just, yeah. I just pretend to be. Right. We, we were professionals on TV. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I actually hopped on like a networking call with somebody on St. Patty's Day and uh, she called me from like, or she hopped on the Zoom from her phone mm. uh, from happy hour with a friend. <laughs> and she's like, I'm usually really, really professional. I'm sorry. I'm like, right. I'm not professional. So don't worry at all. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I would actually argue that part of what is magical about being in any kind of sales right now is that COVID has made us all bring humanity back to quote unquote professional. So mm. I am I am fully here for this happy hour zooming and wearing yeah. of pajama pants underneath, which I may or may not be at this moment. I plead. We'll never know. <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> all right. So before we get into a topic that you love talking about, sales messaging, mm -hmm. um, which has contributed a lot of to a lot of your success, just give people a little bit of idea of your sales story, the short version, and then we'll get into the good stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the condensed version. So I started my career in finance. I actually worked for Ernst & Young for a number of years right out of college and realizing quickly that my personality is not wired to be an auditor. I mm. made a pivot to a company called K-Force. It's a $2 billion staffing firm where I ran a full desk, meaning I recruited and I did sales. So I had a 14 year sales career there mm. in which I was a top 10% performer for the entirety of my career, which I always tell people on its own is unremarkable. I think there's plenty of people who are top performers, but what often kept the spotlight on me is that my kids are now 11 and eight and a half. And so for the majority of my career, I was a mother of very young children. I did not have a nanny. My husband works full time. My you know, parents were helping occasionally on weekends, but I didn't have live-in grandparents. And prevailing wisdom in sales is once you have kids and your schedule changes and you decide to work less, that your numbers go down. And my mm. numbers went up. I had the best year of my career 
a few years back when my kids were probably busier than ever. And mm. uh, I attribute a lot of that to sales messaging. So, you know, my number one years of billing a million dollars for my company all really stemmed from me dialing in some of the practices that I teach now. All right. So you had no help and mm -hmm. your husband is working and your yep. numbers went up. So yeah. how, how did you, I mean, sales messaging plays a part and we're going to dig into that, but mm -hmm. you know, you must've had to be super efficient with your time. And what are some other hacks for, you know, some people that are maybe in that position now, whether, you know, mom in sales, especially, you know, mom today in sales, working from home and being teacher and all of that, like what mm -hmm. sort of tips do you have or other things that really helped you uh, to make sure that your numbers went up and not down? Yeah. Yeah. And so to, just to be clear, you know, I used to work probably 55, 60 hours a week, you know, pre-kids. Mm -hmm. And then when my kids were born, I said, 3.30. That's it. I'm done at 3.30. And, mm. you know, the numbers going up, you know, people were really confused. They're like, what what happened here? So I'll, I'll talk more about the sales messaging, but I would say any mom can relate to this idea of having to be super efficient with your time. You know, once you yeah. have children and you want to be a hands-on mom, there's really not an option. You figure out how to dial things in. But in a sales capacity, I think I started to figure out quickly what my time was worth to me. So if I'm stopping my day at a certain amount of time, I had to figure out strategies for politely making sure that my time was valued, that my boundaries were valued. So if I had a meeting with a client that was supposed to be 30 minutes, it was 30 minutes. You know, there was no allowing the narrative to go on and on for an hour and a half. I had to figure out strategies to politely say, this is the window, or I had to figure out ways to get more done in the same amount of time. And that involved getting rid of lots of distractions, lots of mm -hmm. activities that we think we should be doing, but are very not value added. You know, they're just, they're busy, but they're not productive activities. Mm. So I had to get rid of all the activities. What are that some of the busy. common things people need to get yeah. rid of? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, honestly, will spend all day, you know, just dialing phone calls because these are the metrics that we were given mm. as early sales associates. So we're smiling and dialing. We're leaving a thousand crappy messages and we're doing all these things with a badge of honor because we're busy today. Right. I was so busy mm. today. You were busy. You weren't productive. How many quality conversations actually got through? How many quality leads did you actually pick up? So these metrics, while well-intended, a lot of leaders don't actually do the next turn of the wheel, which is, okay, looking at these numbers, is the value there? If not, we need to change the metrics. We need to change what's happening. And so, you know, that's just one example, but there's so many things where you, you send emails all day, you make phone calls all day. Were you productive or were you just busy? So you can say that you did things today. Mm. And so... And, and you don't have to have kids to to to, no. to apply. <laughs> no. <laughs> In fact, I don't recommend right? you have kids just to get more efficient with your time. But yeah, yes. I mean that's that's one way to go about it. Um, all right, so I, I love that. Are you busy or are you productive? So you had to be very protective of your time. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. is what I'm in is what I'm doing right now going to help me hit my goals? or right. crush my goals and right. still allow me the flexibility to like be done at three thirty and have time with my family. Yeah, absolutely. It became a non-negotiable for me after a point. And you know, here's, here's the true story of anyone in my type of role. I'm a obnoxiously textbook, high achiever type person. I don't like mm. to be in second place. So for me, it wasn't about, will I be okay at my job and be a great mom? I was like, nope, I'm going to be both. I'm going to figure this out, right? I'm going to be great yeah. at my job 
and I'm going to be a great hands-on mom. And part of that excavation process was figuring out how to be more effective with my time and figuring out how to be more effective with my communication. All right. So let's start to, let's start to dig into that. So how did you, what did you start to do to be more effective with your messaging and kind of filter out a lot of those, you know, I don't know, tire kickers, like more serious, you know, conversations that were actually productive to getting you to your goals? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll first confess that I didn't know that I was doing this at the time. Mm. Only now, you know, putting some distance between myself and my desk and looking back, I can see what it was that I was doing differently. But I've always been a writer. I've always enjoyed writing just, you know, recreationally. I did journalism in high school and college. I had a blog for a little while. You know, just writing is something that I find enjoyable on the whole. I also have always been very authentic in my writing. Even on social media, my friends always say, gosh, you sound exactly like you when you write. Like your voice is so obviously in that sentence. And I never changed that with work communications. I was always very much myself. I think a lot of folks in sales, especially in more professional environments or corporate environments, will put on their sales voice, you know, their yeah. sales writing email. And if you were to actually hang out with them on a weekend and then you would see this version, again, I understand that there's a professional audience, but it's like two entirely different planets, let alone yeah. two different people. And I didn't subscribe to that. I thought, you know, if people are going to enjoy working with me, they're going to enjoy working with me. This is how I am. I'm a yeah. bubble, bubbly person. I occasionally will throw in an exclamation point because if I was saying it, I would say it with some exclamation behind it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so I did that early on. I also am a lifelong student. I just love to learn. And so early into things starting to change about 10 years ago, I realized people weren't picking up unknown phone numbers anymore. I was getting people's voicemail 90% of the time. And so realizing this shift was happening, I started to self-teach about what makes effective sales messaging, what gets people to respond, what is the psychology of the written word? How can I be more effective? And so I started to self-teach that stuff you know, years ago, kind of assuming everyone else was doing the same. And that was not so much the case, but mm, okay. it was a big advantage for me. So you almost just kind of went down this path as sort of like survival mode to not to not yeah. have to sacrifice family time, but also not sacrifice, uh, you know, not being willing to be second place. Right. right. And so uh, what, what's what's interesting is that a couple things that you said, you know, sales hustlers listen to this because you said you enjoyed writing, which mm -hmm. obviously helped you kind of, you know, get m better at your messaging. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a place where a lot of salespeople struggle. At least I know for myself, like I yeah. just did, I don't enjoy writing that much. Yeah. Um, even now, like I will type an email and that's, that'll be a script for a video and I'll just send a video instead. Right. Um, right. which is a whole nother topic, but, um, like I've recently forced myself to start blogging and kind of get better at messaging and, and things like that. Right. Um, so somebody who's maybe uncomfortable with writing, doesn't like writing mm -hmm. or is subscribing to that, like, here's my sales messaging and mm -hmm. this is not really me. Yeah. And you know, what do you suggest for those folks? Yeah. Those are my favorite folks to work with <laughs> for the record. Yeah. You know, I know that most people, let's think of the logic here. Most people don't get into sales because they're good writers. You know, I don't know how many people in sales, like we're journalism 
majors or English majors. It's just not a common transition. And so the majority of people I work with do not enjoy writing or consider themselves good writers. But here's the good news. Sales writing has nothing to do with being a good writer. It has nothing to mm. do with the thing we think it does, which is using big packed sentences and really mm. big words. In fact, it's the opposite. Good sales writing is easy and it's authentic and it's personable and it's human. And so a lot of these people that say, man, this is a struggle for me. I, I'm not a good writer. Good news. This is not going to feel as hard as you think, because a lot of the things that you have equated in your mind with being a good writer are based on what you learned in 10th grade English class. It's not mm. based on the principles of sales writing, which actually have nothing to do with that. So what I hear you're saying is if you're one of those folks that mm -hmm. maybe struggles with your messaging through LinkedIn DMs or email or a combination of both, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, this is really hard. I'm not good at writing. Then you actually have an advantage. Sure. Well, and, and I'll say this is sales writing like anything else. It's a skill. It's not something anyone was born with. It's not, you know, nobody came out of the womb <laughs> writing sales messaging. You know, it's a skill. But the reality is most people in sales vocations have not been taught specifically this skill because for too long, a lot of companies have anchored back to this smiling and dialing, in-person meetings, only on the phone. Yes, those things are important. I'm not, I'm not the phone is dead person. I'm absolutely not. But no one wants to pick up your unknown phone number anymore. So you need to dial in the messaging in order to get to the phone call, in order to get to the meeting much quicker than you currently mm -hmm. are. It's naive to think that that's not the way the world is going. Um, and I'll add one more thing. You know, right now, 50% of the market is millennial and Gen Z, of the professional labor market is millennial and Gen Z. In four years, it's going to be 65 to 75%. Those mm. people don't like talking on the phone as much as the previous generations do. So we have to adjust. It's not the end of the phone, but we have to adjust to the changing buying habits. And if we don't, we're behind. Yeah. And, and I like to think that your messaging complements the phone. Like you can mm -hmm. have a lot more success on the phone if you are messaging on those other channels yes. because then there's some familiar, you know, they're familiar with you when you call, it's not a total cold right. call. Um, you have a reason for calling, right. but your sales pitch or script or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. should have some alignment with whatever, whatever uh, other messages you're sending out. Yeah. It's a multi-communication strategy. So you're exactly right. There's not you know, emails in place of phone or texting in place of emails in 2021 and things are going to continue to change, but it is a multi-communication strategy. Um, most people that are doing well with this have adopted that and refined it. The people that mm -hmm. are struggling are trying really hard to use their old email templates or use their old ways in hopes that maybe in doing it in higher volume, they'll find some success, which is a fast track to burnout. There's nothing more dissatisfying than doing the same thing and doing more of it that doesn't work rather than yeah. learning the skills to write the things that do work. Right, right. And so do you have like a bit of a framework around this messaging or yeah. give us give us the goods, break it yeah, down? Yeah, yeah. So shameless plug, I have an entire training on it. So if any sales teams are interested in that, it's a six six parter, an hour and a half type thing per per part. Um, and it's really powerful, but essentially what we go through, the framework we go through is 
there's a few things that are happening. So again, we're not talking about punctuation and spelling and syntax and grammar. All those things matter, but not as much as people think. What we are yeah. talking about is how do you get someone's attention with your messaging? Mm. How do you keep their attention when we're in a distracted world and people have about eight seconds before they're gone? Right. How do we keep that attention span with you long enough to get to the meaty part of what you want to say? How do we emotionally connect with people through our messaging? How do we make them compelled to want to respond? How do we make our messaging irresistible? How do we appeal to them in the right ways instead of the old fashioned ways, which is this is what I have. This is what we do. This is why we're different. They don't yeah. care. They don't care. You know, so it's a lot of things that sales professionals, I would say, potentially do intuitively in an in-person conversation, the disconnect is the translation. How do we create those same feelings and those same bonds and connections in a written message in order to increase the chance that you can continue to build those pipelines and get those meetings? Mm, okay. Now I'm going to take a guess here just based yeah. on what I've learned about you so far. Yeah. I'm guessing that the messaging somehow attracts the right people. Right. Yes, it does. More qualified people because <laughs> yeah, absolutely. as a busy sales badass mom, <laughs> you don't have yeah. time to talk to people that are not highly qualified or raising their hand for the right reasons. Sure. So you, can it, you break some of that down? Yeah. So you're 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 half right. It attracts more of the right people for sure. But interestingly, mm -hmm. you're gonna attract other people who are also right that your messaging wasn't even intended to reach. So the idea is that we're kind of learning a technique for personalization at a larger level. You know, I don't believe in sending all one-on-one -on -one messages if you're a busy sales professional. Lovely, if you could, unrealistic, right? Lots of times we're trying mm -hmm. to do a lot of outreach quickly. So the idea isn't that you're customizing every single message. I think that would be a losing proposition for anybody in a busy industry. The idea is that you're doing the early work to make messages that feel extremely personal to the recipient. Mm. And so hopefully they'll respond to you. But even if they're not the right fit or they're not interested, that personal touch makes people refer you to others, even though they weren't in that initial outreach. And so it has all these lingering domino effects where you attract the right people that you intended to reach and the right people that you didn't even mean to reach, but that personal touch mm. makes people refer you to others. So, so you're more of the camp of some relevance rather than some like hyper personalized, a lot of times fake mm -hmm. BS anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so a formula I share in my training is engagement, getting engagement through your messaging is a combination of content and context. So the content is the information that all of us are so hungry to give, right? Like, here's what I do. Mm -hmm. Here's my product. Here's my service. Here's why we're mm -hmm. different. I've been in the business for this many years. That's content. Context is what is this person on the other side of this message, this reader, this client, this you know customer, mm -hmm. what are they dealing with right now, mm -hmm. right? What's going on in their world? What's something that I can, can really see? They can make, can make them feel seen and heard and understood. What's happening mm. in their world? We need to be starting our messages from that perspective, not this. And how like, does somebody yeah. get super clear on that? Well, it's by knowing your audience. So Daniel mm -hmm. Pink is a you know sales sales writer, and one of the things that he talks about, I love that he makes this analogy of if you're a vacuum cleaner salesman. You are no longer just a vacuum cleaner salesman. You are in the home cleanliness business. Mm. 
Mm. Right? That's what you do. And if you as a vacuum cleaner salesman aren't aware of what's going on in the landscape of home cleanliness, then you're a lazy salesperson. You need to have mm. an idea of what's going on in your target client or target prospects competitive landscape. If you don't know if they have kids or what's going on with them in their personal life, that's fine. But you should know a few things about their world based on the industry that you work with or based on the type of customer that you serve. And you can speak to those things as it relates to that person. Right. In the, in, in the prospects that you reach out to, that that resonates, that that's relevant with, mm -hmm. they're going to be the ones that are going to raise their hand. Therefore, right. you're going to be talking with people that are more qualified than just exactly. you know, throwing up a bunch of features and benefits and reasons mm -hmm. of why you're the product's the best. Right, right. And th those things still make their way into the message at some point. It's just too many times we lead with that. And again, attention span, what do they say now? Attention span is that of a goldfish, right? Eight seconds. So if you lead with all of that, they immediately go, salesperson, delete, right? Yeah. Salesperson, I don't need anything right now, delete. So what's, what's really sometimes surprising to people about really good sales messaging is it doesn't even feel like it's sales writing. It feels to the person reading it like something interesting that was written for them and to them. That's how you know you've done it right. But most people don't. And do you do have this. any best yeah. practices around like length of the messaging or how short, how long, first yeah. message? Yeah, everyone always asks that. So unfortunately, the answer is it depends. <laughs> the, the message length depends. There's There's been a weird and kind of disarming number of trends that keep coming out. Somebody said there was like the nine word email was like a, mm. a thing for a minute. Um, those things are all trends. They'll come and go. The length of the message is going to de be determined by, you know, is this person warm or cold? If it's cold, you might need a little bit more information for them to feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, is this person someone who has invested in this type of thing before? You know, are they the ones who are spending? Are they the, you know, does this cost money? Do they, do they know you or your company at all? Like, you know, these are the mm -hmm. factors that are going to play in. So again, we have a whole lesson on that in the training, but it really depends on how much you need to give the person in order for them to feel comfortable and feel like they're secure in working with you. It has to include all of that, whatever those factors are. Yeah. Yeah. I can live with that answer. I mean, I know from my own personal experience, if you go too long, I right. mean, it's just going to get deleted right away. I mean, yeah. if you're going like three three blocks of paragraphs right, on right. LinkedIn, like, forget it. You're not going to be right. successful. I get a ton of those myself and yeah. just literally delete them and remove those connections immediately. Cause it's like, yeah. it's so spammy. Mm -hmm. So, and, and so I'm curious, you know, we talked a little bit about using different channels. Are you uh, using LinkedIn email, mm -hmm. both? What's yeah. kind of the, what's, what is that sequence or, you know, how do they work together? Yeah, so email, LinkedIn, text messaging. Um, I think they mm. all have their own utility. So I still, I'll start with the obvious ones, email and LinkedIn. Email, if you have someone's email address, I think is always preferred only because still to this day, those are, you know, in the order in which they were received. Newest stuff is on top. LinkedIn, mm -hmm. if you don't have that information, I think that's also great. The only thing that's a little bit harder with LinkedIn these days is a lot of salespeople are using the automated technology, which I'm not entirely against, but most people are using it very poorly, which is making Correct. it very difficult for any person with any integrity in sales to do their job well, because they're buried between 20 crappy robot messages. 
Um, so that's yeah. the only challenge with LinkedIn. You know, everyone's getting spammed there. So if you don't have an email, then LinkedIn. Text messaging has a, has a place too, but it's not what people think. I'm not a huge fan of text messaging for stone cold outreach. I think it's a little, yeah. in, it's intrusive. Um, if you've got a warm lead or an introduction or you've talked to someone before, I think that's a great way to have a quick exchange. Um, but largely email, email marketing is still king. The data supports that it's still, you know, 4,400% ROI, even though there's some people kind of shilling the narrative that email is dead. It's not. It's still where people get all their work done and get all their communication done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I like using both mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. Um, but I like to start with email. Yeah, always. And so the benefit, the upside with LinkedIn is if you're doing it right, mm-hmm. then it does stand out from the, yes. I don't know the numbers, but the vast majority of people that are not doing it right. Right. So, you know, short, personable, messages on LinkedIn can be really effective when you layer that in on top of email. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not a big fan of starting with LinkedIn first. Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll confess that in staffing, I didn't have people's email addresses. And so I did use LinkedIn a lot and it was a big part of my business. So I don't want to diminish LinkedIn's you know, use case. I think it is something I used extensively. I think it's just you know, knowing what the options are that exist to be mindful of, is there a better one that I could be using, especially if I'm really chasing a certain person or a certain group, Mm -hmm. you know, can I, can I find a better way? Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, not just a lot of people kind of just leave it at messaging on LinkedIn only. And there's so many more things that you can do. Yeah. I mean, once they've connected, you can send them a video. Mm -hmm. If they're really important to you, save them on your sales nav list Mm -hmm. so that they'll pop up in your sales nav feed. You can engage, you can like, you can comment, you can say something thoughtful. Like that way, when you actually do use the phone, they could kind of feel like they already know you. They know you. Yeah. And actually I'm glad you brought that up because one thing people always ask is, you know, when we're saying sales messaging, are we talking exclusively the written word? Everything in the training that we go through is actually it's about sales written stuff, but it's also about mm-hmm. video and audio, because if you think about it, the methodology is identical. It's not really a two way conversation in real time. It's a here's a message that I'm delivering. You're consuming it. And then should you choose to engage back, you can. But it's not a real time dialogue. So the same discussion, the same principles, the same rules that apply to effective sales messaging in the written word are actually identical if you were to use a video or a piece of audio as part of your strategy. And so knowing how to do it that way will give you the tools to know how to do it all the other ways too. It's one for one. Right, right. And there's gotta be some, there's gotta be some, you, your messaging needs to be the same regardless of mm-hmm. what channel you're using it, right? If you're sending yeah. them a video, if you're sending them a text, like it needs, and, and the thing that you said early on that I just wanna bring up again is just being yourself mm-hmm. in the messaging, yeah. right? Like you mentioned using explanation. I'm an emoji guy. I like to use emojis like, <laughs> sure. yeah. just cause that's kind of my personality a little bit. And I feel like it's a little bit more, uh, less corporate. Mm-hmm. I don't know it, for me, it works. Yeah. Right. So when I send somebody a DM on LinkedIn, I just kind of look at it as like, I'm sending a friend a text message. Right. Now, obviously there's some, some hard nose of things you wouldn't do right. there. No, no eggplant um, emojis. <laughs> In the middle of a, yeah. in the middle of a yeah. sales message. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no yeah. eggplant, uh, 
water or whatever. Right, know. right. Yeah. Like keep yeah. it keep it PG for uh, sure. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, but you know, I like to just kind of view short, you know, like I'm sending a friend a text, and that actually stands out from the mass mm-hmm. the, the vast majority that are sending these, you know, features and benefit and like calendar link in the first message right right and it's funny because i i I teach that too you know i like features and benefits i like calendar links not in the first message right you have to engage that person first before you start throwing information at them and so um yeah we talk we talk about calendar links a bunch i i love my calendly i live and die by it not for the first email that's too much pressure that's too much societal anxiety to say Hey, you don't know me, but 30 minutes of your day. Are you kidding me? Like I I share Mm. the story that um, my mother and I are very close, but if she sends Mm -hmm. me a text message that says, Henna, can you call me? I don't have 30 minutes. My mom, my mom's a talker. Mm. She, I get it from her, right? She's a talker. I don't have 30 minutes. Send her your Calendly link. (laughs) No, no. So, so what she's figured out is she says, Henna, can you give me a call? I'll be two minutes or less. Mm. And what happens? What's up, mom? What's going on? Right? Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Our prospects are the same way. They don't know you. They don't want 15 mm-hmm. to 30 minutes. They want to know what you have to say. So you need to start with that. Yeah. You know, that's one example of how do you write a highly effective sales email? You start with a way lower commitment and lower pressure ask. You know, make it yeah. easy for them to say yes. I love that. I love that. And and you know, there's still a lot of people that are doing this kind of like mysterious, vague messaging yeah. to kind of try to pique your interest, to trick you into getting mm-hmm. on a call. And it's like, yeah. stop it. That does mm-hmm. not work. Like no. we all are, I don't know, most of us are busy or productive or maybe a combination of both. Right. right. Uh, so if somebody's going to give you your time, like make them understand that it's actually worth, right. If you're asking for somebody's time, they need to understand that it's worth giving you their time. Right. I, I, I will say that just to make this distinction, I do believe in using curiosity. You know, one of the things we talk mm-hmm. about is make sure your subject line is curiosity inducing if you want it to yes. get opened. So curiosity is fine. Clickbaity stuff is not right. We don't want right. to, we want to make people curious and compelled. We don't want to make them feel like they got duped. You know, that's where you lose yeah. your integrity real quick. And I think it's become a fine line where a lot of people have stepped over it and you, you lose credibility. People won't work with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've even seen it where somebody is kind of clickbait in the, in the messaging, but you're kind of curious. You're, you you kind of want to know like, yeah. what is it? And then you go to their website and it's even more confusing. You're like, I still have no right, idea what right, they do, right, what they right. do. Um, and it's been fantastic having you on. I really appreciate Thanks. it. Uh, any final thoughts? What do you have for folks? What are we going to put in the show notes for them if yeah. they want to learn more about what you're doing? I'll say this, um, you know, as a lifelong salesperson, I would be remiss to not. If anybody listening to this is interested in getting better at this for their teams, I'd love to tell you more. So feel free to link uh, link up with me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Henna prior <laughs> to this day. Or you can, um, you know, email me directly. But whether it's me or whether it's someone else, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I hope that all sales teams, no matter what, can make this a priority for 2021 because there's there's three reasons that it's important. One is that your customers have a way better experience. They, they mm-hmm. look at us as just much more valuable partners. Two, we have a way better experience. It's way more fun for us to get to be more ourselves and our sales messaging. Yeah. And three, it works. It works hand over fist. Mm-hmm. You think the old way works better. You've gotten used to it, so you think that's the way. 
I am here to tell you definitively, I now have hundreds of teams that have done it this way. It works better. If you want your results to change, you have to be willing to change. It's 2021 and it's not the old way anymore. So whether it's me or someone else, dial it in pretty please. Boom. Now you can drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) If you are listening to the podcast today and you enjoyed today's episode, write us a review, share it with your friends, and we're always listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.